When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. If you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code stuff and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Hey, everybody. We are so glad to be coming back to SF Sketch Fest this week the best comedy festival in the land for our first live show in two years. Yep, we're going to be there on Friday, January 21st at 7.30 p.m. at the Sydney Goldstein Theater, to be specific. And if you want tickets, then head on over to sfsketchfest.com or cityboxoffice.com and search Stuff You Should Know. That's right. It's a vaccinated-only show and a masking-up show. So everyone be safe, get out there, and come check us out live. We'll see you on January 21st. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryan over there. And uh, Jerry was just here. She said, peace out, suckas. (laughs) And this is Stuff You Should Know, of course. It was nice of her to log on to say goodbye. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Now, we're just kidding, Jerry. She's been busy lately. Yeah. That happens. It totally happens in this busy go-go world of 2021, almost 2022, the double deuce. This year has just flown by. (laughs) It really has. I think mercifully, because this is going to be part of the lost years when we look back, you know? Yeah, it felt like 2020 took 18 years. Right. And somehow 2021 has just like been in a snap. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I don't think anyone does anymore, Chuck, so don't don't feel bad. Uh, can we shout out to the uh, people and sources that helped us along for this one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, our buddy Dave Ruse wrote an article for uh, How Stuff Works. Ta-da! Uh, and was, I found a great article from Wired. I, I forgot how much I love Wired. That's from Mallory Pickett. Mm-hmm. And BBC News, ABC News, NPR Morning Edition, which is always a fun listen. Uh, National Library of Medicine here in the U.S. And then, as always, I feel like it makes appearance in every episode, (laughs) JamaicaHospital.org. That's right. (laughs) Surprisingly helpful. Yeah. Maybe not surprisingly. Uh, I wonder, is it Jamaica, Queens or Jamaica, Jamaica? Oh, you know what? I was thinking Jamaica, Jamaica, maybe Jamaica, Queens. Yeah. Should I Jamaica scene, Jamaica, Queens? My neighbor across the street neighbor uh, is from Jamaica, the country. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like a heel now because I was like, hey, that hospital website's great, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, what are you talking about? She's like, okay, great. Glad you like some random (laughs) hospital website. 
Oh, boy. So uh, we're talking today. You went and found some medical stuff. That's why you went to look at JamaicaHospital.org, I'm guessing, because we're talking about a really interesting condition and actually a few kinds of conditions that have something uh, unusual in common, and that is that the people who suffer from these conditions have blue skin, blue skin. You heard it here first, everybody even though this really first started hitting the presses in 2008. Yeah, I mean, you didn't hear it here first. This, I mean, this is all over the internet, uh, but we're talking about not the Blue Man Group, but oh the Blue People Group of Kentucky. Uh, it's a family that is, I guess it's pronounced Fugate. Mm-hmm. It's not Fugate? No, that's Italian. He was from France. Well, that's that's a spoiler. Oh, is it? I'm no, sorry. Really. I take it back, everyone. <laughs> It, you know, it's not a spoiler, but for some reason, I, when I saw that, the original uh, Martin Fugate was from France, from, uh, I'm not sure what part of France, but I was like, huh, that's surprising. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know why it would be. Uh, yeah, he could have come from anywhere in the world, and he would have been sure. like a completely overlookable person, I think totally lost to history, had it not been for the rare... Um, rare genetic mutation that he happened to carry with him. And even that wouldn't have gotten him into the history books, Chuck. Even that wouldn't have. Instead, it took Martin Fugate to happen upon, uh, against all odds, to have found a wife who he was not related to, who was a total stranger uh, from a totally different country, who also happened to have that same rare genetic mutation. And when the two get together, kapow! Blue kids start popping out. That's right. Uh, he came over from France to Kentucky, to the Blue Hills of Kentucky, ironically. Oh, wow. I hadn't thought about that. In uh, 1820. And like I said, he was from France and he was an orphan. So he didn't know a lot about his his family as far as uh, <clears throat> whether or not any of them were blue, I guess. No. Or if so, he wasn't, he wasn't piping up about it. Yeah. Maybe he just kept it quiet. Uh, but he did marry a, a redheaded American uh, named Elizabeth Smith, mm-hmm. and they headed on over to Troublesome Creek near Hazard County in Kentucky and set up a homestead there. Mm-hmm. And it is a, I mean, the one of the doctors that uh, from one of these articles said, you know, it's maybe one in a 100,000 chance that you had to even have this genetic mutation. Right. And he said, but, you know, once you start, I guess there's no other way to say it, once you start inbreeding, Mm-hmm. which uh, can happen in the 1800s in the ruralness of Kentucky. He said that can go down all the way to like one in eight chance, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I was surprised it was even one in eight, but there's some little fluke of genetics that um, that you have to – when you're talking about probability and genetics, it's a little more difficult than, you know, yeah. half and half. It's not half. straight math. Yeah. Um, it, so apparently Martin himself – possibly had like a little bit of blue to him. Um, His wife, Elizabeth, had no blue to her. Um, She apparently had very, very pale skin and and bright red hair. But when um, the two got together and those two genetic mutations donated um, their mutations to that specific gene, the kids that they had were like um, irresistibly blue. Like, there was no confusing. It's not like, yeah, Martin's kind of blue. Have you ever noticed? Maybe he needs to, to breathe more deeply. This was like straight-up blue kids. Yeah. I've even seen him described as dark blue. Not even a bluish hue or tint or tinge. Dark blue-skinned children. 
Yeah, four of seven were blue. Uh, and it's funny you said that she was not the the mother was not blue tinted, but I imagine like before they knew about genetics and inbreeding, mm-hmm. if he would if she would have been a little blue, that might have been a reason to get together. You know what I mean? No, I don't explain. Well, blue man happens to meet blue woman, and they're like, "Geez, there's another one like me." Mm. And you know, we've been sort of you know, sort of embarrassing, and maybe we're cast out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So let's hitch our wagons together, because there's probably nothing wrong with us having kids, right? Because medical science hadn't known that at that point. Right. It's a story as old as time, Chuck. But it was uh, <laughs> it was just complete happenstance, though. Right, yeah. So, um, and I wonder also, like, it was significant to me that they pointed out that his wife, uh, Elizabeth Smith um, Fugate's skin was almost translucent. It was so pale. Because I wonder if she donated that to her children, um, which allowed the blue to really shine through even more. Oh, maybe. It's possible. Like the ultimate recipe for blueness? Exactly. Um, And they actually became known as this blue family, and they were not particularly proud of their blue skin. Uh, I think they were a little freaked out about it. I think that their neighbors may not have particularly treated them well. And so they already lived in like a pretty isolated part of Appalachia. Um, but they took pains to actually isolate themselves even further. And right. one, of the, one of the consequences of that was something you touched upon that that meant that um, their son married their aunt and cousins married cousins, even if they were way too close to be marrying. And so one of the, one of the products of these, this intermarriage was a, an entire small regional population of blue families or families who had blue children or blue family members because these neighbor families were still blood relatives of the Fugates who initially settled this area and just started reproducing through inbreeding. That's right. Uh, And the condition that they had is not a skin condition at all. It's actually a blood disorder, like you mentioned, and it's called metemoglobinemia. Is that pretty good? Wow. So it's not meth? No. Okay. Oh, I'm glad you said it first then. I actually took great pains today to look up between this and the other episode we're recording. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, pronunciations. Yeah. And when you look at medemoglobinemia, that is 17 letters of, of it's a mouthful of letters. Yeah, pure hell. And it's really one of those that I looked at over and over and just could not get it right in my head until I, you know, went and looked it up on the internet. And I was like, no, oh, it's not so hard. All right, let me try. Let me try. Medemoglobinemia. I think it's more of a T than a D. Uh, okay. What about a, a T- B? You want me to <laughs> no. try that one next? <laughs> this is like the worst acting audition ever. <laughs> Mate- Mate- let, me, let me give you another one. <laughs> What's my motivation here? Uh, to get through this episode. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, so we're going to touch a little bit on melanin throughout this episode, but you remember melanin from our... Uh, I think pretty good episode on sunscreen and suntans, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, special cells in the body, uh, in the skin make melanin, and they are, melanin is responsible for coloring your skin. And there are all kinds of different uh, melanin disorders, whether you have too much or too little, uh, whether you can, you know, it'll make your skin lighter or darker, or whether or not it happens in patches. Uh, I had a friend in Los Angeles with vitiligo. Mm-hmm. I, uh, which I have I th- a friend, too. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, leads to uh, 
patches of light skin on the body. Isn't that what Michael Jackson claimed to have had, too? Yes. Was that verified? I don't know. I don't know either. I really don't know. I, I think, just remember there was a big stink when that came out. Everyone was like, yeah, right. The Well, the the reason why it was like, really, it's, uh, you got vitiligo? Because it's usually um, patches, like the melanocytes, the melanin-producing cells, just kind of poop out or crap out in an area. And it, it leaves, like, patches without pigment. Not your entire face um, without pigment. But who knows? Well, I think his... I think what he said was that he bleached his skin to match the light patches was his reasoning. Oh, well, that's fairly reasonable. You know, if you're self-conscious about vitiligo and you have a ton of money, you could do something like that. Who knows? Who knows? Should we talk about skin color or should we take an awkward Michael Jackson break? Uh, I think we just did. But the, the point is this that I think you're making, Chuck, is that Changes in, like, your skin color typically have to do with a lack of or an overproduction of melanin, right? And that That's right. What we're talking about, uh, metemoglobinemia, right? Yep. Is actually a blood disorder. It's not, it has nothing to do with the skin. It just shines through that super translucent skin that we have. Right. So what's going on here in the body? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... You well, know, are you surprised I'm asking you to I, do this? <laughs> I, I'm a little surprised. I thought we'd maybe tag team this one, but okay, okay. So uh, you have like a, a, a pinkish hue to you typically um, being, Thank you. being Caucasian um, because you're, you, there's not a ton of melanin that's blocking the blood supply underneath in your tissues. It's kind of shining through, and your blood is red. And the reason it's red, Chuck, is because... But <laughs> the reason why blood is red? Uh-huh. Well, remember in school they teach you that your blood is blue until you get cut and then it hits the air. Yeah, that's not true. And then it turns red. That's what you hear on the playground in elementary school. From dumb kids. But that is not true. And I bet you anything kids are still spreading that mistruth on the playground. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's got some staying power for sure as far <laughs> as as far as rumors go. And you know what? My dad will sue your dad for all the money he's got. <laughs> Did you guys threaten lawsuits? Sure. We were very litigious. <laughs> Kids did, though. It was very funny. We were like, uh, we were like little Puritans in, in uh, Salem town. That's right. Uh, so blood is red. That was the question, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Why is blood red? Right. Because, uh, and I know we've talked about this before, but it's because our red blood cells have hemoglobin. It's a protein. Mm-hmm. And it gets its red color from something called heme. It's a uh, compound that has an iron atom in there, and that iron atom is the key. That's what binds with oxygen and allows red blood cells to get oxygen all over the body. And that's sort of what makes us tick. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, that oxygen is super important, so we want to have super red-rich hemoglobin blood, right? Our bodies also produce something else called uh, metemoglobins, I guess is how you would pronounce it. That is not how I've been pronouncing it in my head. But these metemoglobins are basically the same thing as hemoglobins, but they have a different kind of iron attached to them. The iron they have is, like, there's really no other way to put it. Well, actually, there's plenty of other ways to put it. But one way you could put it is that it's rusted. It's oxidized iron, which means that it's missing an electron 
that it would need to bind to oxygen, which means it's useless for transporting oxygen through the blood. So if you have a bunch of metemoglobin built up in your blood, your blood can reasonably turn blue. You also may have some problems breathing um, because you don't have any oxygen in your blood. Although that's not true. I'm sorry. You would be able to breathe breathe perfectly fine, but it wouldn't clear up necessarily the lack of oxygen in your blood because it's on a a blood level um, rather than something to do with your lungs. Yeah, that was my one question because doctor after doctor has confirmed that metiboglobinemia doesn't present any health issues. Yeah. But how can that be possible that your blood has is having trouble carrying oxygen through your body and it doesn't matter. I had a really hard time with that too. And the best I could come up with as far as an answer, which is not definitive, but the best mm-hmm. I could come up with is that there is a, there's a threshold where your blood will turn blue, where you have enough metemoglobins in there that it's blue, mm-hmm. but not so, there's not so many metemoglobins that you're actually having trouble with your oxygen in your body. So it can turn blue long before you actually, like, suffer from the effects of low oxygen. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess it makes sense. And isn't the threshold to turn your skin blue, like, a really low percentage even? Mm -hmm. Like 1% of metemoglobins. If your blood is 1% metemoglobins, you can start to turn blue, right? So it doesn't take very much, which means that you have 99% of of the the globins in your blood are are, blue. hemoglobin, which means you're still able to to get all the oxygen you need. You just have maybe a little less than somebody else. That's my best guess from what I saw. Um, And I I think at this point in our understanding of metemoglobinemia, uh, it's as good as anybody's. Well, that sounds like a perfect place for a break. Okay. And uh, we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about this and other interesting blood conditions right after this. everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch, Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee, or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. 
That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Ready, set, griddle this grilling season. Get the Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle with a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. With no use of coatings, you can use metal tools to flip, press, and scrape without worry. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. Everything rusts and nobody talks about it because they couldn't fix it until now. With Weber's new rust resistance technology, your Weber will last for years. Yeah, when used, the carbon steel griddle hardens and bonds the surface, which reduces the ability for moisture to collect and rust to form. Plus, the griddle heats evenly edge-to-edge reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. That's right. And with the Weber Works Prep Cook and Store System, you can keep cooking and cleaning supplies handy, carry food and condiments from the kitchen to the griddle, and even convert the side table into a prep station. So get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. Hey, friends. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. Like, what are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood the best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Yeah, well, now it is, everybody, on Homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. So, Chuck, we were talking about Matima globinemia, um, and the reason, I, like, like I think one of us said earlier, that the body naturally produces these things, um, these Matima globins. Um, but we also produce an enzyme that can convert excess Matima globins into hemoglobin, and it's got a doozy of a name, which I just love. May I take this one? Yes. This enzyme is called reduced nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide cytochrome B5 reductase. One of the great all-time names. What's its nickname? Sparky? It has no nickname. You have to say the entire thing every time. (laughs) And so this enzyme, reduced nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide cytochrome B5 reductase, is actually capable of converting the iron from its um, ferric state in metemoglobins into its ferrous state, which is capable of binding with oxygen, like the kind that's found in hemoglobin. So for all intents and purposes, reduced nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide cytochrome B5 reductase is capable of converting metemoglobins into hemoglobin, and most of us are able to do that. But if you're like a fugate, and you have that rare genetic condition where both parents donated that mutation to you, and you develop metemoglobinemia, but there's some reduced amount of reduced nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide cytochrome B5 reductase, which means that that metemoglobins that you naturally produce are able to build up and accumulate in your blood. And when they do that, and they, 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 that's how you start to turn blue. That's how you cross that 1% threshold. 
That's right. And this is one of the uh, rare times where you can actually have a genetic condition that's uh, pretty easily solved. And in this case, it's just a pill. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the guy who figured this out uh, has sort of an interesting story in his own right. His name is uh, Madison Cowine or Cowine? (laughs) Cowine? I'm going with Cowine. Cowine? Cowine. Cowine. I'm going with Cowine. C-A-W-E-I-N. Cowine. Although I like Cowine. That doesn't sound like it'd be tasty, but I'll bet it gives you a pretty good buzz. (laughs) Uh, he was the, or, uh, he was the grandson of a, uh, pretty famous at the time poet out of Kentucky. Uh, and Madison was the third of, of the Madisons. And this is just a side note, um, very sad and interesting. His wife was poisoned and murdered by poison oh, no. in the 1960s and no one was ever caught and charged with a crime. And it, it kind of remains one of Kentucky's. Um, you know, sort of biggest cold cases. Wow, I did not see that one coming. Yeah, he and uh, his wife and this other couple were out drinking all night, supposedly, like, just got sloshed. Mm-hmm. And at a, at a yeah, at a country club, um, he, Madison, didn't even make it home. I think he stayed the night there. But the other man, uh, the, the man from the other couple, drove his wife home. Um, apparently just dropped, they had another nightcap and she woke up dead. Well, didn't wake up dead. She died mm-hmm. and they thought it was just, you know, alcohol or some natural cause. But then they found these two like little needle pricks in her. Wow. Where they think she was, uh, I guess given a shot to pass out and then poisoned. And I can't remember the poison. It was some sort of like acid or something. Wow. But yeah, really, really interesting. Neither here nor there as far as this goes. But that's the sad story of, of Dr. Madison uh, Cowwine's wife. Was he a suspect? Because I would have suspected him. I don't think so because he wasn't even there. That's the first thing I thought. But apparently it was pretty verified that he slept it off hmm. at the country club, I guess. Crazy. Because, yeah. well, I mean, one of the things that he became famous for, if not the thing he became famous for, was injecting people with with some fairly weird stuff. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It is weird. <laughs> You're not buying it. Nah, I don't want to, like, cast aspersions <laughs> on somebody. I don't know enough about the story, but that it's sure. that's just very odd, especially— You're like, <laughs> judging from this 90-second story. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I, I can conclusively <laughs> solve this case. I've seen enough law and order to know that the husband almost always did it. Well, that is probably true, but uh, probably not in this case. But uh, at any rate, he was a, a hematologist at U at uh, University of Kentucky, mm-hmm. and he heard about these people throughout the world and really wanted to kind of get to the bottom of this when a couple of them, uh, well, I don't think these were Fugates, but Patrick and Rachel Ritchie, uh, I guess, you know, it happened in some other family. I know the Combses. We knew uh, a Combs from Kentucky. We We had a friend that we worked with for a little while. Oh really? He was never. You he never me? struck me as blue. Yeah, he never struck you as blue. But I wonder if he is related to the Combses. Well, who knows? Which would make him by some somehow a uh, Fugate, because again, these these families in the Fugate area were all, if you went back far enough, Fugates. Right. Exactly. All right. So these people walk into his office, and what happened? So here's here's the thing. Like they didn't walk into his office. He went and found them. I read a, an article about him, and he became. Maybe a little obsessed with finding these people, wanted to know what the heck was going on. So he actually went out in the woods 
and would wait for them. And, and every once in a while, I would see one, and he'd chase them, telling them to stop. And, of course, they would run off. So mm-hmm. he figured out another way to do it. He moved to Hazard County near Troublesome Creek, and he started asking around at clinics, like, had anybody ever treated a blue patient? And he finally struck gold, um, blue gold, when he spoke to one nurse at a clinic that said, yeah, this this one woman came in with blue skin, and she was really self-conscious about her skin. She came to the back door, was really just kind of meek and embarrassed. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've treated a, a blue person before. So, uh, Cowain basically hung around this clinic until more blue people came in, and that, this is where he met the, the Richie siblings. Yeah, so he started to dig into their family a little bit. Uh, it became pretty obvious to him that it was a genetic disorder, and he started digging around other stories around the, the North America mm-hmm. and found an Inuit population in Alaska who had uh, who had the same condition. I'm just going to call it this condition now. Okay. I think we've said it enough. Sure. Or at least I have. Yeah. And he said, well, you know, these people were uh, interbreeding a lot because they were uh, very remote as well. And so he said, I think we understand the problem here. How do we fix it? Yeah, I don't know if he, where he he got this idea, but he used something called methylene blue, which was already like in wide use. It's used to stain tissue because it affects some cells differently than others. Um, It was a malarial treatment, which malaria can actually produce uh, metemoglobinemia. (laughs) I'm suddenly having trouble saying it because we haven't been practicing lately. Um, and, and what it does is it goes in and it interacts with the um, reduced nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide cytochrome B5 reductase and basically gives it a boost and helps convert all of that excess um, metemoglobins into hemoglobins in patients with anemia. And so I don't know where he got the idea but he tried it and apparently injected the Richie kids with it, and they they stopped being blue, like, almost on the spot. Yeah, like, minutes later, they returned to a, to a you know, a standard color. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, they were overjoyed. Like, could you imagine being like this your whole life, getting a shot and looking in the mirror a few minutes later, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's like, it's it's gone. It's actually really sweet because they were very self-conscious, the whole family. I mean, this family, like, retreated to the woods to, to like, people didn't know where they lived, and they lived, like, five miles away from them and knew that there yeah. was this blue family, still had no idea where they lived. It was like, that's how far they retreated from society because they were that self-conscious. So, yeah, I'm sure it was a pretty joyous occasion for them. There's going to be a movie about this at some point, right? I can't believe there's not. There's a very famous interview with Cowain in a, a magazine called Science 82. And there's yeah. also a really famous painting that somebody did. And it was just kind of lost to history who did it. And I read this article. Oh, I can't remember what it was on. But this person tracked down um, the the artist, the initial artist, and got to see, like, the original. Because it's been scanned so many times, it's really lost a step. But um, the original is apparently really something to see. Should we say the quote that uh, Cowain had in that Science 82 art article? <laughs> totally. He said, he said, and they walked in the office, he said, they were bluer than hell. <laughs> Very Kentucky. Yeah, totally. All right. So over time, uh, Fugate started moving away. Like some of the younger population of the family got out of Hazard County. And it's so hard not to make Dukes of Hazard jokes. I've been just sidestepping the whole time. You've been doing really great. Thank you. Uh, but they started to move away over time, and 
basically, you know, that's going to stop the interbreeding and that's going to make fewer and fewer blue babies. Mm-hmm. And as of 2012, I think some were still blue, but not today. Yeah, I think now that there's a treatment, an easy treatment, because they don't even have to be injected anymore. Like if you're blue and you don't want to be blue, you just take a methylene blue pill once a day. And it goes in. Apparently, once you excrete it out, the methylene blue, it, you go back to being blue. So you have to take it daily. But I'll bet there's members of that family now, and I'm just guessing here, but um, that are proudly blue. Now that they know that they don't have to be blue, some of them I'll bet make a choice to be blue as kind of like a like a pride in their family heritage. I'm guessing here. Well, the thing I saw that there was one, and that was the one in 2012 that was still blue. Like by choice. I think so, yeah. Just didn't take the pill. Gotcha. Wow, that's neat. But uh, but not today anymore. So this is uh, not the only way you can get bluish or any, you know, I guess silvery skin is another is another thing that comes into play here with this next uh, disorder. And this is one called Argeria. And some people are bluish, some people are silver. Mm-hmm. If you've looked up, you know, blue people or silver people online, you've no doubt seen uh, Paul Carrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they called him Papa Smurf, and he is all over the internet as one of the more famous cases of Egeria. Yeah, and he uh, was he kind of emerged as, I don't know if a cautionary tale is right, because that was not his purpose. Um, mm-hmm. But he... He also he he whether he meant to or not he served as a cautionary tale about taking colloidal silver because that is what turned him blue and it didn't just turn his skin blue it turned his mucous membranes blue so if he like flashed his teeth his gums were blue the inside mm-hmm. of his mouth was blue the inside of his nose was blue he was blue bluer in hell as Cowain would probably put it that's right um and he he did it because he saw an article about how um, silver ions basically restored some cut flower back to life again. And he thought, well, that, that'd be really something to, to, to see what it can do on a human body. I want to be a fresh daisy. <laughs> right. And he wasn't the only person at, at, at experimenting at the time. Like, apparently for a while, it was a over-the-counter drug. And we've been using silver for a very long time. But he was um, somebody who used it every single day. He was drinking like a 10-ounce drink of colloidal silver. He figured out how to basically make his own colloidal silver uh, potion, and he also rubbed it on his face, too. And so, in very short order, he started to turn blue, because that is definitely a consequence of using uh, silver too much, of overexposure to silver. That's right. Uh, And this can happen if you work in, like, a silver mine Mm -hmm. or something. Right. Like, it can be one of the side effects of mining in silver mines. I also saw that in the old-time... not even that old, but just pre-digital photography processing, photograph processing. <laughs> you could actually— um, Old-timey. You, yeah, you know, the 80s. Yeah. Um, you could actually develop Argeria be- from exposure to the, the silver dust that was used to expose um, photographic plates. I think prior to the 80s. I don't, I don't know when they stopped using that. I don't either. I spent a lot of times in dark rooms as a kid because mm-hmm. of my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you were and bad? Then, yeah, go in there, turn on that red light and sit there and think about what you've done. <laughs> no, my dad was an amateur photographer. Well, I guess semi-professionally sold stuff, but oh, nice. he he did his own uh, developing and um, I, I learned how to do it and did it some through high school and then kind of quit doing it. It was a lot of fun though. Dark rooms are uh, very like peaceful places. Is that right? 
Yeah, just, you know, they're dark, obviously. Sure. And you're in there for a, a long period of time, mm-hmm. and it's just very nice, usually by yourself, but unless you're in a teen uh, romance movie, and then, you know, the cute girl's in there with you. I, well, I always associate them with the the murderer finally coming into focus, and they happen to be standing oh. right next to the, the photographer who's <laughs> developing it. So, to me, darkrooms are very tense, scary okay. places. <laughs> like, as, it, as, the, as the photo paper, like, comes into focus? Yeah. Oh, very tense. It That's shows cool. the calls coming from inside the dark room. <laughs> That's right. Um, where were we? Okay, so what causes this is an excess of silver ions in your body. Right. And when they're exposed to light, they react by forming dark deposits on the skin mm-hmm. that end up looking silverish. And the bad news about this is once you've got it, it's there. You can't take a pill and get rid of it. No, it's irreversible. We don't have a way to remove excess silver from the tissues in the human body. And that's all it is. It's just, it builds up. Normally the body can excrete, you know, small amounts of silver that we're exposed to from like, you know, touching silver or um, snorting silver, that kind of stuff. Um, (laughs) What? You know, uh, like we pee it out, we poop it out and we get rid of it. But if we overcome that threshold and our Mm. silver ingestion um, exceeds our ability to excrete it, it starts to build up in the tissue. And so if you're drinking your own 10-ounce colloidal silver um, homebrew every single day, you're going to overwhelm your body's ability to excrete silver very quickly, and it's going to build up and build up and build up, and pretty soon you're going to be blue or silver blue. That's right. Uh, And if you look up images of uh, Karasan, you're probably also going to find Pictures of Stan Jones, a libertarian politician in Montana, who around Y2K said, you know what, I think things are going to go south and we're not going to have any antibiotics. So I'm going to uh, start making my own, again, colloidal silver solution Yeah, and drink that stuff. And then there was a teacher in Brooklyn, too, named Rosemary Jacobs, who uh, very sadly, I think, got um, nasal drops with silver when she was a kid mm-hmm. and she was sort of not sort of she was very silver for life yes she was so these people again have proved to be cautionary tales to most people who are like oh that's what happens if you take too much silver I'm not going to take colloidal silver supplements over the counter or um, anything like that I'm just going to steer clear of silver altogether because one of the problems is, is there's not a lot of peer-reviewed evidence if any that suggests that silver has any beneficial effect when taken internally, right? It is actually antimicrobial. It's pretty clever to um, use silver, like, in the pre-scientific days. But there's nothing that says, like, yes, if you drink a colloidal silver homebrew, it's going to have any effect on your your life or your health. And, in fact, it, it might actually turn you blue. Despite this... People still take colloidal silver um, pretty frequently. Apparently, Alex Jones touts it. Gwyneth Paltrow touts it. Dr. Oz touts it. And that's, you know, if it's not actually harming you, there doesn't seem to be any any harm from it aside from potentially irreversibly turning blue. But there's a larger harm that I saw, Chuck, to society in general in that silver is a, a antimicrobial of last resort that is... Um, they're figuring out how to use it against um, uh, antibiotic-resistant bugs like MRSA. That Mm -hmm. that Silver will get in there and even kill MRSA. But that silver resistance may be developed in bugs by all these people taking colloidal silver supplements and drinking colloidal silver 
um, you know, homebrews and stuff like that, that it's actually yeah. creating silver-resistant microbes, which is not a good thing for anybody. All right. Well, let's take our second break. Good? Yes. And we'll talk a little bit more about colloidal silver right after this. Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey, everybody. Fire up the grill and fire up the party. Get the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. That's right. You can go from low and slow on smoke boost mode at 180 degrees all the way to high heat sear at 600 degrees. And it's got a full great sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. That's right. Plus, you can utilize the smoke boost setting to intensify that smoky flavor. And direct flame cooking creates searing, crisping, and browning. So your food will look as good as it tastes. That's right. The grill is hot in 15 minutes and cleanup is easy. You'll cook on two levels at the same time so you can make enough for everyone. Then clean up quick with a pull and clean grease and ash management system at the front of the grill. Cook confidently with intuitive digital controls at the grill and enjoy the sleek, easy-to-use surface. Plus, you can add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert to up your game. So get fired up for your new Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Hey friends, if you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. Like, what are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood the best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Yeah, well, now it is, everybody, on Homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey friends, as every parent knows, kids seem to be everywhere all at once, and it's really tough for even the most watchful moms and dads to protect their little ones from every single thing. Yeah, Duracell understands this, and that's why they're deeply committed to lithium coin battery safety. Lithium coin batteries power a bunch of important things around people's homes, including things young children may have access to. So Duracell not only educates parents, caregivers, and medical professionals about the importance of lithium coin battery safety, they also make the only lithium coin batteries with a non-toxic bitter coating to help discourage children from swallowing them. Even Duracell's packaging is child secure and designed to avoid accidental opening. 
because they believe their products should provide more than just power. They should also provide peace of mind. You can learn more at Duracell.com slash power safely. Available on 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes. All right. So you mentioned earlier that... uh, kind of in passing that colloidal silver had been used pre, um, you know, mainstream medical science coming on board. Mm-hmm. And it's really true. And they were kind of onto something in that, like you said, there were, there are some antimicrobial properties. So people like Pliny the Elder, uh, Cyrus the Great, they both touted the use of silver. Uh, monks in the Middle Ages used silver nitrate um, to treat ulcers and burns. Mm-hmm. And it was used a lot. It's it, it's kind of, in a way, before we had real antibiotics, one of the first antibiotics. Yes. Um, again, externally, it messes up yeah. microbes. And we're not exactly sure, even still today, what the mechanism is. The guesses are that it somehow penetrates the, the membrane of, the, of bacteria and prevents it from replicating properly um, or... It it it, has, it does like some one two punches on enzymes that the the microbes need to to survive, um, but that it it will leave your human skin cells alone. It just attacks microbes weirdly, bacteria specifically. Um, so yeah, it was like a, a early antibiotic, and it actually kept um, stayed in use for a, a long time. Nowadays, you'll find it in, like, wound dressings. Sometimes sutures will be coated in silver. Um, mm-hmm. Replacement joints, artificial joints, will have some sort of silver component to it to, to protect um, against infection. Um, but f- we were using them internally for a really long time, up until the 60s even. I think babies got, like, silver eye drops uh, when they were born, which I had not heard of until, you know, yesterday. I had neither. Yeah, silver nitrate. Uh, to prevent eye infections. Uh, but then they found out it can actually cause eye damage and burn the skin. So they really worked on um, just sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when you make something less potent by mixing it with water? Dilute it? Diluting it. Mm-hmm. Right on the tip of my tongue. You did it. <laughs> no, you did it. So they learned how to dilute it. But the problem with diluting it in a formula is it wasn't an exact science. Like they didn't know exactly how much silver was still going to be active. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you couldn't really use it as a medicine anymore because it was either too weak to do anything or it was so much that you risk turning blue. So eventually they just scrapped it as a medicine and said, I think in 1999, the FDA said, this isn't a medicine. You can't advertise it as such. Mm -hmm. So they said, all right, we'll just say it's a supplement. (laughs) Right. And just move it to the shelf, you know, four feet away. And the FDA said, no. And that's what happened. And you can still get this stuff. That's where, you know, that's why Gwyneth Paltrow uses it. Yeah. So, and I mean, like, again, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, it makes sense. Silver has antimicrobial properties. There's probably some microbes in your body you don't want. Um, So take some silver and see if it works. But again, there's just not any peer-reviewed evidence that backs this up. That's not necessarily to say that it doesn't work just because there isn't peer-reviewed evidence that backs it up doesn't also necessarily mean in the same breath that there's plenty of peer-reviewed evidence that says it doesn't work. I'm not suggesting anybody take the stuff. I'm just saying there's not peer-reviewed evidence to back up that it actually does anything. And if you do take it, again, you risk permanently, irreversibly turning blue. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and I should point out, I don't know anything about Gwyneth Paltrow's current usage, but this uh, her appearance on Dr. Oz in 2013 uh, was when she touted it. She, she may have given it up. Who knows? Who knows? Um, Paul Carasaw never gave it up, though, Chuck. He died in uh, 2013 as well, same year that Gwyneth Paltrow outed herself as a silver user. Um, and Paul Carasaw... Uh, he apparently used colloidal silver, that homebrew he made, up until the end. Like, he never stopped, even though he apparently retreated from the public eye because he was tired of being treated like a freak or a weirdo um, and had some rough years toward the end, apparently after he, he went public. But he still kept up with the colloidal silver, although that doesn't seem to have been linked to his death. He was also a really heavy smoker for many years, and he suffered a, a heart attack and a stroke. Yeah, I mean, I guess his point was probably, well, I'm already blue. Yeah. Like, why stop now? Can't get much bluer. So, uh, what else you got? Well, I just thought we'd wind it up with this little uh, kind of sidebar. Uh, I can't. This doesn't really have anything to do with being blue or silver, but I thought it was an interesting find that uh, th- they basically determine uh, there's something called repigmenting that has happened to people. Uh, to go uh, their skin both darker and lighter mm-hmm. that has nothing to do, they, and it's funny, this article kept calling it intermarriage. Um, what they mean is, you know. Eat or eat or. Yeah. <laughs> what they mean is having sex okay. and having babies uh, of two different skin colors. But they keep calling it intermarriage, which I guess is, uh, you know, very sweet. It's just such a lovely way to put it. <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> but they know that repigmenting happens regardless of uh, intermarriage, but what they found recently is that this has happened a lot faster than anyone thought, and we're talking about 100 generations, uh, or as little as 100 generations, which is a long time, but over the course of human history, it's not that long. It's potentially, yeah, it's not that long. Usually a generation is chalked up at about 20 years, so we're talking as little as 2,000 years that groups that were once lily white went back to being dark, and groups that were dark can turn into a lily white population and that it's it's it, it's just basically more evidence that race is strictly a social construct skin color yeah. has nothing to do with anything but the amount of melanin that our genes tell our bodies to produce which is triggered by the amount of uv exposure that we have over something like a hundred generations right and so if your family lineage moves from a place uh, that has uh, lots of UV near the equator to a place that doesn't have much daylight mm-hmm. or vice versa, your body is going to adapt and melanin uh, production is going to change. Mm-hmm. And over time, your entire family's skin color can change. Yeah, because we actually need UV, right? But we just need a certain amount of it. If you have too much, you can get skin cancer. Apparently, it can uh, have uh, reproductive issues. If you get too little, it can also have issues on your bone because we use UV to produce vitamin D, which we use for, for strong bones and bone density. So our bodies have figured out how to kind of adjust depending on that UV exposure by producing or slowing down melanin production. That's it. Pretty amazing. Pretty neat. But it is surprising that it's... Well, actually, it's not that surprising that it can happen over 100 generations or, or 2,000 years because the body is very responsive to its environment. Yeah. We adapt very easily. So that's not particularly surprising, although it is neat. Yeah. I mean, it surprised the scientists. I think they just thought it, it 
was quicker than they anticipated. Mm -hmm. So if you're a racist, just stop and think that somewhere down your family line, there is a white person or a black person. Ha ha. (laughs) Or in the future. Yeah, that's true. That's right. So take that. Uh, You got anything else? I have nothing else. All right. Well, if you want to know more about blue people or colloidal silver or pigmentation, go start reading up on it on the internet. Uh, And thanks again to all the great sites that you found in putting this really good episode together, Chuck. And since I complimented Chuck's episode putting together skills, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this uh, one of the many thanks we got for the M, not NRA, but the the Mr. Na episode. Right. Uh, This is one I think for both of us, like we were super stoked to do and like (laughs) in in retrospect, very proud of, you know. We're stoked. We were super stoked, not just stoked. (laughs) Bruh. Stoked plus. (laughs) There's no way to say stoked without sounding like a bro. No, no way at all. That stinks too, because I'm not a bro, but I do like saying stoked. That's fine. Just say stoked. Be loud and proud like the last remaining (laughs) blue fugate. So this is from Mark, and it was a really long one that I'm going to just sort of summarize the first part, uh, is that Mark works in healthcare information technology and had a rough go of it over the past couple of years, like so many people, um, working uh, alone and uh, listening to our show, mm-hmm. which he said helped quite a bit, uh, losing some close friends to COVID Man. and uh, seeing all this up close and personal. So Mark had a tough time. So he says this, uh, after working for almost two years, uh, on the COVID-19 problem, the last thing I wanted to hear was your podcast about Mr. Na vaccines. Understood. Uh, when I saw the topic pop up on my player, took a deep breath and decided to listen anyway. I knew almost everything you shared on the podcast, but became enthralled in the recap of this amazing story. Uh, to my surprise, I was again brought to tears with a recognition, uh, one that you two share of these brilliant helpers who use their gifts for the benefit of all humanity. At the risk of making you blush, uh, you two are part of those helpers. You presented this Mr. Na episode with a childlike curiosity and relatable simplicity that anyone with doubts on taking the vaccine would reconsider. Uh, I can't believe that I have to say this, but facts help and fact sharers are helpers. Uh, I might also add that letting go of any biases to let your curiosity curiosity take hold is heroic. Uh, and that is from Mark and boy, I'll, I'll, I'm going to read that one another hundred times today. <laughs> yeah, just print it out and fold it up and keep it <laughs> under your pillow. Yes, thank you, Mark. He wanted his uh, last name to be withheld, but appreciate Thanks, the work Mark. you've done, Mark, and hang in there. Yeah, same same to you, Mark. And um, that was very high praise. Thank you very much for it. It means a lot to hear something like that. Um, one other thing, though, Chuck, that, that Mark reminded me of, that people with metemoglobinemia actually can blush blue. Oh, so they get bluer? Yeah. Isn't that neat? I guess that makes sense. Thanks for that too, Mark. Even though you had no idea you are setting us up for it, you did. So you're just That's basically right. a, an altogether great person. If you want to be a great person like Mark and write in to let us know whatever you want to let us know, we want to hear from you. You can wrap it up and spank it on that bottom until it's blue in the face and send it off to StuffPodcast at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Fill the grill and fire up the party. Get the Weber Sear Wood Pellet Grill. Smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. Go from low and slow on smoke boost mode at 180 degrees all the way to high heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone so you can put more food on the flame and food will look as good as it tastes. This grill is hot in 15 minutes and cleanup is easy. You'll cook on two levels at the same time, so you can make enough for everyone. And you can add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert. So get fired up for your new Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Just go to canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. 